You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. This edition of It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, your partner for global wealth creation. It's Tuesday, so it's time for It's My Money, brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth. And from Brenthurst Wealth in the Western Cape of South Africa is Rene Igor. And you've come up with a, a very enticing subject. Why is the RAND so strong? And there are a number of reasons for it, but some of them are less obvious than others. But isn't it great to have the RAND not at 19, but at 15 or whatever it is at the moment? It's a good news story for the last couple of months, I think. Yes, thanks, Lindsay, and thanks for having me on your show. It's a pleasure. So, since the start of the year, I've had many clients querying with me why the RAND got so strong, Mm -hmm. okay? And in particular, at the end of December, um, not only were we all not on the beach, as we usually are, but the RAND was trading at its best level, back at 14.50 to the dollar since February. So, you know... Since February, when the whole world felt like it was coming to an end, lockdown followed straight after that. And then we were in the midst of a global pandemic and confined to our our homes. And our RAND came under massive pressure and was actually trading at 1926. Now, coupled with, you know, the COVID and the whole hard lockdown we went into, on top of that, what happened is... Moody's downgraded us to junk status. So they were concerned about various things, but particularly voicing their concern that our government debt is ballooning and they don't have much confidence in us. Um, you know, the, the, the wage bill, the civil servant bill is just too high and they just didn't see sort of much prospect. So the RAND coming back is, is quite a quite a surprise to to most people. So what I thought about today is I thought that I would discuss why has the RAND been rallying and I'm trying to sort of put things into context to show people that it's a lot of external factors that are playing um, the part at the moment and it's not all got to do with things that are changing in South Africa per se. So maybe we can just sort of start unpacking the reasons. Okay, but what about interest rates, Renee? Because the differential between interest rates in South Africa and interest rates in, for example, the United States of America determines the RAND dollar exchange rate. And I think um, that last time of, of looking, it, was, it, it, it sort of indicates anything between 5 and 6% depreciation per year over a long-term period for the RAND against the dollar, that is. But what about the uh, – we've spoken about the dollar weakness. What about interest rates? Yeah, so Lindsay, just to unpack that. So investors and traders are still attracted to currencies that earn high interest rates. Yes. And, you know, even South Africa, which has been cut to our lowest level in almost more than half a century, we're sitting at about three and a half, maybe four percent money market kind of kind of yield. It's still better from what other countries um, that are sitting at negative interest rates, and if not that, nothing at all. So we still seem to to be attracting flows from from that point of view. And you know, the outlook on on interest rates on in South Africa, especially now after COVID, I would say might even go lower or perhaps stay the same for quite some time. So what really happens is the um, 
um, is that investors put flows into our market because our market is so liquid, even though they, they take the risk on from putting money in our market, it still kind of boots, boosts the currency when, when we have those inflows. Yeah. Okay, that's well explained. What about uh, the appetite for emerging market currencies? And I, I mean, I look at something like Russia, for example, uh, Rene, and I see the oil prices has tripled over the last uh, six months or so. Uh, palladium and other platinum group metals have gone through the roof. Gold has gone very well as well and wheat prices and everything. And that's a commodity currency. And of course, the South African rand is a commodity currency. So there's money coming in now because of uh, quite a serious commodity boom. I don't think we quite realize how much commodity prices have gone up for example iron ore at all-time record highs which we produce a lot of so there's an awful lot of appetite now for emerging market currencies for good fundamental reasons absolutely and you know i think you know during the whole pandemic a lot of um investors sort of you know went back to themes such as gold and bonds and the dollar but now that there's a vaccine in place, it's boosted con- confidence that the worst of the virus could be over. So I think there will be an increased risk um, risk appetite, which basically puts emerging ma- markets back on the menu. Um, but another thing to take into consideration is South Africa's current account is also looking better in 2020 than it has in years. Now, yes. Explaining this simply is basically more money flows out of the country than into the current uh, into the country. It's bad for for its currency. Yes. Okay, so what I mean by that is um, the flows out of a country are measured by the current account, and because SA imports most of its oil and pays a huge amount in interest and dividends to foreigners outside the country. The country has maintained a large deficit for some time now. Um, so historically, you're probably looking at about 6% of GDP for many years. But now, this past year, the oil prices tanked, okay, during the pandemic. Yeah. Foreign investment in SA has dwindled. So it makes the interest rate and dividends going overseas less. So um, I guess... You know, what I'm trying to kind of say is that although these movements, you know, are all sort of, let's call it pro for the RAND, yeah. okay, it's not, it's not anything structurally that we in, in South Africa are doing, you know. But another thing to look at is some big analysts at the moment have got an increased appetite for emerging market exposure and expect, you know, exceptionally so China and, and, and Asia. They think that they're going to lead this global recovery. And, you know, this will also have a positive effect on the RAND. So, you know, although things are happening in South Africa, um, I still think we've got a long way to go. You know, we need wage build. Re- uh, reductions, we need prosecutions, we need ESCOM to work. Um, I do believe that COVID is crippling our industries. Everybody just needs to drive around to to take a look at what's happening. But regardless of what, you know, people's, you know, they place so much emphasis on 
on the RAND. And what I'd like to talk through today is an actual example of the offshore earnings that one can get in a portfolio and almost forget about the RAND. So, right. you know, if, for example, you take um, – and I've just used a, um, a fund – an offshore global equity fund, for example, okay? And if you look at it on a year's basis, okay, on a year's basis, it is giving you 16% in dollars, okay? The last year, it has given you 16% in dollars, okay? Which is a massive, massive return massive. compared to what the JSC has done over the last maybe seven or eight years, I would imagine. Correct. And if you have a look at that same portfolio, it's done 12% or almost 13% over a three-year uh, period and 12.5% over five years. Okay. Now, if you just look at the, that growth alone, you can actually forget about the RAND because investing offshore is not a one or a three or five-year game. It's a five to seven and even 10-year game. Okay. And – the trajectory is that the RAND will weaken from these levels. So you actually have to think to yourself, like, what do you believe? Do you believe that the, the dollar is going to be weaker? Or do you believe that things in SA are going to come right? Or is the emerging market factor, you know, even more important? And I guess the point that I'm trying to make, Lindsay, is that one has to con concentrate less on the RAND and the fluctuations and more on the growth opportunities. Okay, so the RAND is, I mean, if the RAND goes in your favour, then that's just the icing on the cake. But uh, don't become a currency trader is what you're saying. But what you do say as well at the end, Renee, is that the RAND will weaken over time. And as I've said, because of the interest rate differential and because of emerging market characteristics, the RAND... You know, the RAND's probably too strong at the moment, I have to say. It was too weak at 19.35 back at the end of March against the US dollar. And it was too strong, I think, uh, two or three weeks ago at 14.50. So around about 15 now. I just think it's a natural thing for the thing to weaken. But don't become a currency trader. Become a growth investor. That's what you're saying. Correct. And, you know, like... Various companies, like at the, I've sort of done a little bit of analysis and some of the companies say that that fair value of the RAND is sitting at around 1297. Mm. But fair value is never achieved in our currency because our currency is so volatile and it trades so much above the fair value and so much below the fair value that it's impossible to follow that line. So fair value in my mind is – it, it, it never kind of works that way. And because of the liquidity of the South African market, it never works that way. So I think, you know, the main point I want to make is that, you know, there are also concerns about the dollar and the dollar might come under fire and the rand is too too strong. Um, the bottom line is you have to have a globalized portfolio. I would say you cannot discount the dollar Okay, and you cannot discount emerging markets, and you need to have exposure to company. I mean, to countries like China and Asia. Uh, the prospects there are very good at the moment, and I think that you need someone to help you with your asset allocations and maintain that long-term view, so that you don't have to pick up the phone and 
worry about what the RAND's doing. You know, when the RAND's strong, no, nobody's phoning me to take money offshore. Hmm. The minute it goes on its weakening thing, I can't get, I can't get my transactions done quick enough. So hmm. I would say long-term trajectory, there is a weakening, but concentrate on the actual underlying portfolio. It has far outperformed the JSC over many periods. JSC is skewed because 60% of the JSC is Rand hedge um, stocks, and obviously our resources are priced in dollars. So I think people need to concentrate less on the Rand and more in what they're investing in and understand the reasons why. Mm, very good. Yeah, keep an eye on the rant, but uh, don't make it uh, a part of your investment equation, if you like. I think that's what you're saying, and you're absolutely right. Renee, great advice. Thank you very much for your time. That's Renee Igor from Brenthurst Wealth in the Western Cape. And that was It's My Money. It's My Money was brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, an award-winning boutique wealth management company. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.